Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? another thrill-packed episode of Superman 2 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can fly this 1980 Superman 2, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on his journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. Hey, Rob, how's it going? It's uh, really great. Uh, Chris, I have, to, I have a question for you. Have you ever seen Garbage Eat Garbage before? <laughs> I know I'm jumping way ahead. I know I'm jumping way ahead, but that's, that's what I think of when we get to this scene because, you know, we know what's coming. Right, 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 right. Well, not only do we have a pretty pivotal scene in the movie, we also are not alone once more. We have a special guest on this journey through time and space and back to the fortress. Uh, this time along, we have our friend and the host of Superman Forever Radio. Please welcome back the man with the best Superman the movie theater experience ever, Mr. Bob Fisher. Hey, Bob. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm glad to be back recording. And, you know, my uh, experience with Superman 2 is not quite as uh, uh, exciting, I guess, as Superman 1. Uh, Jimmy and, and his daughter couldn't make it to number two. They called. They said, hey, Bob, are you going? And I said, yeah, but I'm going in Richmond. Do you mind stopping by on your way? But he was out of office. They were back in Georgia. I didn't want to go all the way down there. And so <laughs> so Jimmy and I watched it the same night, but in different uh, cities. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, you can't you can't win them all, right? So <laughs> Yeah, it would be pretty hard to top that first one anyway. That would be yeah. really hard to to top the fact that I saw it in Washington, DC, opening night with the president. And most of the cast, although I didn't know until the next morning. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yes. yeah, still a fun way to watch the movies. It, it would have been so fun if, if somehow Bob had managed to see Superman 2 with E.G. Marshall, who plays oh. the president in this movie. That would have been cool. Oh, that would have been cool. I did see E.G. Marshall in a play here in Ooh. Richmond, Ooh, and nice. he was not very good. What? Sure. I know, I know. He just, it was like, uh, and it was Shakespeare, but he was like he was walking through it. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. Huh. What play uh, was, was it? Uh, it was Hamlet. Wow. And, and he thought, wasn't good? I can't no, believe that. E.G. Marshall? Good. Yes, E.G. Marshall, he just kind of, I was so disappointed because uh, back then I didn't get to go to theater very much or very often, and big guys didn't come to our little town. So here we were in a packed house, and he was kind of walking through it. I was huh. so disappointed. Well, he's much better in, in these minutes that we're Oh, in these minutes. Yeah, he's, he's, yes, he's really good at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, speaking of these minutes, Bob is here to help us discuss minutes 80 through 85 of Superman 2. We start out with Clark asking Rocky to step outside and end with a battered and weary Clark returning to the fortress searching for help. So that tells you how that goes. Um, <laughs> but before we get into that, what is your story with Superman 2, Bob? I know it's not it's not presidential cool like the last one, but what's your story with Superman 2? 
Yeah, it's just uh, saw it in the theater opening night here in Richmond, Virginia, and then uh, went back a couple more times that weekend. Uh, wow. Well, I, I really loved this movie, except for one huge scene. Uh, you know, there are little things. Uh, I've often said what I'd like to do is cut out about 20% of number one and about a third of number two and smush them together for a great three-hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> The Fisher Cut. Yeah, At least the Fisher Cut. The Fisher Cut. And uh, But I love this movie. I think there is so much good in this movie. And uh, the scene we're going to talk about today is is a very pivotal scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm thrilled to talk about this five minutes. Okay. Sometimes people use this these two bars, this little diner scenes, both of them, this one and the one that comes later as little throwaways and they don't really talk about it much, but this is a huge pivotal scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I really like it a lot actually. And I think some of the chemistry between, um, St. Christopher and mother Margot are just terrific in this scene. <laughs> yeah. That's St. Christopher and mother Margot. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, sorry, let's jump into these minutes. So, uh, Rocky is, we introduced to Rocky in the last, uh, last segment, uh, Rocky is unfazed by Clark suggesting they settle their differences man to man. He even chuckles at him. I get the impression this is just another day in the life for Rocky. What about you guys? Oh yeah. Rocky's a bully. Rocky's just a, just a flat out jerk bully. And, uh, he was perfect. Good acting, good thing. And you really hated him immediately. Right. And. That's what you're supposed to do, and I just and it, uh, you know, again, it makes Clark look that much more vulnerable and weak. And uh, I thought it was great. I liked Rocky. Yeah, he was he was the perfect foil for this for this this segment here. Yeah, definitely. Um, we talked a little bit about the owner last time. Uh, we assumed he was Don because it's Don's diner. But when Rocky ref- he, he tries to play peacemaker, the owner. And Rocky refers to him as Ron, unless he's just kind of slurring his his line there. Maybe Pepper Martin, the actor playing Rocky, kind of slurred Ron into Don to Ron or something. I, or maybe it's an Arnold Al situation like Happy Days. I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. But uh, I do think it's funny. He looks Clark up and down and says, this is just a minute steak. Uh, because, you know, he says, well, your steak's coming up, Rocky. So now I know Rocky looks tough. He thinks he's tough. But but Christopher Reeve is a big guy. That's I mean, true, yeah. And, he, and he's not playing the fumbling nerd anymore. I mean, would either of you guys miss with a guy who looked like Christopher Reeve? I mean, you know. No, no. <laughs> Especially when he's towering over. And that's why I think Rocky hit him in the back of the head. Yes, yes. He, he, he didn't fight fair at all on any of these, uh, you know, little episodes. No, no. And it was kind of typical. It adds to his bullies are really cowards anyway. And uh, uh, the thing that kind of surprised me, we're at this now, right? The fighting, the little yeah. rock mm-hmm. hitting yeah. him. Yeah. Because uh, the thing that surprised me a little bit is even though he doesn't have his superpowers, like you're saying, he's a big guy. You know, Chris Reeve is a big guy. And, uh, uh, you know, he doesn't need powers to just defend himself a little bit. He just kind of stood there and took it. Right. And, yeah. And I think they did it for the reason. I mean, it was the reasons we want. But uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I think Chris could have or Clark could have shown a little more uh, gumption, a little more something. But he did get caught off guard, got hit in the back of the head. And I think this is my favorite little bit here. When he does get hit in the back of the head and goes through the glass, 
and he's bleeding for the first time. Uh, and one of the notes that I've got for this little part is who is who is he right there? When he's down, the glasses hit him, Lois comes running over, and they're in that really tight scene now. It's just basically their two faces. And uh, this was some of the best chemistry ever, and Lois is just, oh, my, with Clark saying, blood, it's my my blood. <laughs> you know, that all of the weight of what he has done is starting to, you know, dawn on him. It's starting to become a reality that, Oh, my God, look what I've done. And then the rest of the scene goes. But right here in this scene, when he's down and sees his own blood and feels it, who is he right there? That's not Clark Kent way up here. It's not Step Outside, Zod, Superman. Who is this guy right here? This is the real guy. Uh, He's not putting on Clark. He's not trying to be Superman. He's the real guy, Who the guy who grew up with you know, Martha and Jonathan, and that's how he would have talked to them. And this is the guy at his weakest, most vulnerable, and it's starting to dawn on him. And also he's doing this now after this wonderful night and this, they, they come into this bar, all newlywed, happy, kind of giddy, (laughs) you know, and now he's just been made a fool of in front of the woman. He has just basically said, here I am. Because when that scene, and she says, no, 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 I, I, I just want you to, you know, be the man I fell in love with. And he says, I wish he were here. Yeah, That's that just, line is brutal. That uh, is such a brutal line. Just Because uh, it's kind of a diss on Lois a little. Like he's sort of acknowledging, yeah, and Lois, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not the guy that you fell in love with because – I'm sitting here crumpled like a crumpled t- teary mess. That's a that's a when I was a kid when I saw this movie in the theater that line was just, oh it was so well, awful. This, it's a he has that realization. Yeah, yeah, so powerful because it 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 does so much in that one line. Him saying that I wish he was here does say exactly that. It says Lois, you didn't fall in love with me, Clark Kent. And remember, this is all pre-burn, people. There's no there, <laughs> yeah. there, there there's no you know this is still Clark and only a few. Hours ago, practically, she finds out he's Superman. So she wasn't in love with Clark Kent. She was in love with Superman. And there is no Superman. And that one line, well, those two lines there together, so powerful. And what does he do? He stands up, walks over to him again, and then stands there and waits to be pummeled again. (laughs) (laughs) That that one there, I mean, Rocky telegraphs that elbow jab. I mean, he does. Come on, Clark, you know, get get your game on. I mean, if, if nothing else, just grab the guy, you know? I mean, it's like he just stood, stands there like he's he's waiting for Rocky to make the first move. You know, it's like, dude, he already hit you. Yeah, Come exactly. at him. You know, now you go, go over there and take him off that stool and throw him up against the wall. Right, exactly. But, <laughs> but you know, the scene needed to be done this way. Right. And, and uh, I think it was very powerful. Because Clark right now realizes, and then, oh my, this, and, and, and you just think, in this one little scene, and this isn't a Superman scene, this is a Clark and Lois scene, and I, I really do believe it's a pivotal moment in this movie. Because what's happened in this movie up to this point, other than the Zod stuff, they don't know the Zod stuff yet. So Clark and Lois are just out in their own little world. It's almost a little rom-com. Ooh, yay, we're having so much fun. And pop goes the champagne, and oh, this is great. Woo! Right here, right now, we're seeing Clark understand what he has done. And then when we see the Zod information up on the TV, uh, 
What is that? Expositional TV? That was so great. <laughs> it's a great little scene. I love that, too. Because how do you bring it in? How do you let Clark know that he's been goofing off while Zod's been taking over the world? Oh, we put it on a TV news show that happens to come in as soon as... They've been using this since old radio days. People talking, oh, let's change the channel, turn the TV on, or turn the radio on. Exactly at the moment where the announcer says, we interrupt this program for the special news bulletin. It's perfect. I love the timing of movies. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and I like, I mean, I, I, well, before we jump back into that, I just want to say it is so, the fact that Rocky grabs Clark by the hair <clears> and then punches him in the face, I mean, it's so brutal, and Christopher Reeve falls over. And then, of course, we got to talk about the fact that Margot Lois jumps on his back <laughs> and just starts beating on him, which I think I is I love great. her in this scene, yeah. yeah. She's, yeah. she's a little hellcat, I love it. Yeah, oh, me too. This is one of my favorite Lois scenes next to maybe the helicopter scene in, in number one. But the, I love Lois in this scene because, again, the chemistry sometimes, you know, and Margot is not my favorite Lois. I know. I know. Sorry, fans. I'm sorry, but <laughs> she's not. And sometimes there are scenes that I bet she wishes they would let her shoot over again. And uh, uh, sometimes the chemistry just doesn't quite connect but in this scene she's everything she needs to be she's uh, uh you know right with him when he's hurt and 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 trying to help him and then jumping on the back and 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 what that scene is just amazing because it looks like they're at one point really holding her back <laughs> uh, uh yeah a hellcat i think is a great term for her in that particular moment uh it's just it's so good but then she does run down. Uh, and it was funny when she goes and runs to Clark. She almost kicks him in his in his side. Yeah, her, yeah. He almost kicks him. Before yeah. we get too far off of this, I yeah. do want to ask you guys: when Rocky punches Clark, and we have that shot of Clark going through the the, the, the glass, what is that that he's going through? I mean, it's a door, but to what? It's, it's, it's like it's it's just like a freestanding bunch of planes of glass, as if it was put there just in case you want to have a fight and you can have a dramatic smash through. Yeah, it, it's really weird because on the other side you do have the other door. Because at first I'm like, well, Clark tells him to step outside, then he heads toward a, the door he didn't come in. You know, yeah, yeah. he he come in. You know, the the door. You know, on the other side, but there is a door. We do see there's a door. Uh, there's two, there's a in there, there's two doors on each end of the diner. And but but yeah, it was like some glass partition, and it doesn't. I mean, if there was a booth behind it or something, it doesn't I, go to anything. It doesn't right? go it's to just, anything. Yeah, like sometimes yeah, restaurants nothing. have a glass partition with a booth, you know, to separate booths and things. But yeah, yeah, that's not it. I, I don't really understand that either. <laughs> it's it's just, like <laughs> I just thought it was a pane of glass they put there so Clark would have something to go through. That's exactly it. The set decor, the set decorators, like ah, they, these kids won't notice that. We'll just put up some glass. We'll smash it right there. I, I would say right. this, this is a Donner scene. Otherwise, I would say this is Lester practicing for Superman three, the opening sequence. Of <laughs> three. But uh, this is obviously a Donner scene because of Margot. You can tell by Margot's appearance, this is a Donner scene. But, but uh, yeah, I, you know the whole. I mean, I will say the one guy like. Like the the rest of the patrons in this restaurant are like, I mean, they're watching it, but of course they're not doing anything, which is which is sad. Um, yeah, I know, man. They just leave, boy. They just all sit there and eat their yeah. eggs while this guy's getting practically murdered. Pretty yeah. brutal. One guy. I thought, I thought Canadians well, were supposed to be nicer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's going. What's the deal? Uh, yeah. What's up? <clears throat> no cell phones. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. No cell phones. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, the one guy does grab Clark. And then, of course, Rocky, you know, Lois grab, jumps on Rocky's back. But, I, you know, the, the Don or Ron, the diner owner, grabs Lois to, you know, try to pull to break it up. But then Rocky almost swings at her twice, which I yeah. think, like, wow, what if he decided to? Then Don's, like, literally holding her arms and just opening her up for a punch in the face, which is just awful. You know, yeah. it, it's like, oh, God. I mean, this and, – and, and I will say, though, when – I've always kind of thought that when Clark's laying there the second time and goes, oh, oh God, I, I think that's maybe a little too weak for Superman. I just – I know they're trying to show him as being vulnerable, but, Rob, it reminds me of that scene in the first Superpowers comic miniseries where – the savage, bestial Superman grabs Aquaman, and he's like, "No, you know." Oh, I oh, don't, God, I, oh, that scene. I know you. I know you hate that scene, but it's I like do. It, it's just <laughs> it, like it goes. Oh, it's trying to show how bad the situation is, but it almost goes too far into making each character seem too weak and yeah. too, too frightened. It, it takes away some of their heroic nature by showing them being honestly being kind of cowardly. So yeah. I, I mean, I, I just, the, the old God things just, it's just a little, it's, that's the only thing in this that I don't, that, that and I, I, I'm sure that wasn't a, you know, I, I don't know, Christopher Reeve may have decided to go deep into showing how vulnerable this guy is, but I, you know, I, I will say Rob that this, this whole business here, it's obviously not as dark, but it reminds me kind of, of uh, some of uh, inside moves where, you know, there's that brutal beat up, like these guys just jump, you know, another character and beat the hell out of him. And it kind of, it's, and here's Richard Donner doing this now. And then the next film, he's going to do it again, but it's like, Wow, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of came to mind here. It's not, it's not quite as, it's not quite as brutal as inside moves, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's still pretty bad. And I mean, this isn't a Superman movie aimed at, at you know younger audience for the most part so uh, or a family audience anyway so yeah mm-hmm. it's it's uh yeah it's it, and the fact that they just donner who I, i'm assuming it was donner cuts to uh the like we said the patrons watching this it's it makes it even worse it's just yeah oh uh, yeah Ugh. i mean he didn't he didn't just get punched he got physically i mean he is I mean, he's obviously not – his wounds are not fatal, but this is a savage beating that he got. This is not yeah, just, is a, you know, a punch. And the fact that the diner owner is just like, let's put on the TV. Everybody wants some coffee. Like part of your place just got destroyed and the guy walked out and you're all just like, all right, let's get back to it. Anybody, anybody want to – can I freshen up your coffee? Like, guys, can we react a little to what just happened here? <laughs> right, right. Can a couple of more people go over and see if he's okay or This something? diner's a rough place, man. Really? Because all she said was, hey, he's okay. Let's, let's watch some TV now. Yeah. No, he has he has severe box. no, he has severe facial lacerations. He's not yes. okay. This is yes. no. he was bleeding all over the place. Right. Yeah. So the Annie the waitress turns on the TV and like we said we get the special address from EG Marshall just in time. I do like the fact that Clark immediately takes notice that this is an urgent address from the president even though he's got the hell beat out of him. Mm-hmm. He he instantly snaps up and starts watching the TV even more so than Lois and Lois is the you know the hard reporter. Lois did it first though. Lois did it first. Uh, she looked toward the TV, yeah. yeah. She looked towards the TV, and then when when he heard what was going on, he gets up and says, uh, "What? What?" and yeah. listens to it. And uh, another 
powerful moment, I think, from Chris in this when he leans over the bar and he just looks at the the, uh, uh, the bartender, Don, Ron, whatever, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, says, and says, Zod, here, when? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where he, you been? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a desert island? Well, not quite. Yeah. Not but, quite, but... Yeah, kind of the opposite, but still the same amount of isolation. Basically. Shiny silver sheets. Say that five times real fast. <laughs> I, I do like the president. I mean, I will say, you know, he he of course he says he's conferred with the other world leaders and they're gonna give control of Earth over to Zod. He abdicates all authority to Zod, but he, you know, at the last minute he's reading off his little script and he, he calls for Superman, you know, Superman, where are you? Superman, please, you know, and I that's a pretty ballsy move with a guy Zod's yeah. right off camera. He comes into frame, grabs the microphones, you know, <laughs> and, and it's a great moment. But it's like, you go, E.G. Marshall, because he could heat vision your brain right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I, I just thought that was like, I, I, I got to give this president a lot of, you know, you know, uh, he's got a lot of gumption. And when he's like, who is this Superman? He's like, well, wait, wait till you find out, buddy. <laughs> I know. I love that. He mounts off to Zod. And I also love the way Terrence Stamp uh, puts a lot of dripping sarcasm in his, who is this Superman? Like he says, like, oh, please, you know, whoever this guy is, he's not going to be any, he's not going to be any match for me. I love the way he does it. But yeah, I love that E.G. Marshall actually mounts off to General Zod. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. That's exciting. And, and they were both so good in that scene. Yeah. And there it was in a little tiny black and white TV up on a bar somewhere. And they still ate up all of the scenery in the place. Yeah. So good. Terrence Stamp. Well, and E.G. Marshall this time. I mean, E.G. Marshall was, there was fear. There was, but they were, they were good. They were good. They did what they had to do. And you saw in Clark and Lois's face, finally, oh my God, this is serious. We have made a mistake. Yeah. I got to go back. Yeah. I never, th- I never thought of it before until you guys just said it. But yeah, Terrence Stamp is so good as odd. He can dominate the scene even when he's not really in the scene yeah you can you can just look him on a little monitor on a television he's still dominating the proceedings because he's playing it so big as as that's great yeah he's almost like like it's old school wwf wrestling you know it's like (laughs) let me tell you something superman you come down here you're gonna kneel brother you know (laughs) exactly it's 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 fantastic, and, and I, I, I mean, yeah, like you said, E.G. Marshall, he's he's fearful, he's resigned to this horrible thing he's he's saying, but then he's you know, he, by God, he's going to get that call into Superman, <laughs> no matter what it costs. So I got to say, but I, these guys do, like you said, they do such a fantastic job inside this little box inside this scene, <laughs> you know, this little tiny TV on this scene. But yeah, Clark's Christopher Reeve's reaction. And I mean, he's just. The, I mean, the honeymoon's over. You know, the, Boy. <laughs> it was a short-lived honeymoon, man. I mean, it's like, what is this? Just a handful of hours since, since he, <laughs> you know. I mean, well, I guess maybe it's a, you know, an overnight, and then the next day, and maybe the next night or something. But it's maybe been twenty-four hours since since he gave up his powers, maybe. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's. I mean, it's poor. You know, yeah. Bad decision making, you know. You you chose poorly, you know that type of thing. Yes, yes, 
your carnal feelings overwhelmed your head. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Why, why should Superman be any different than the rest of us? <laughs> the rest of us. I do have a discussion question for you guys, though, because something about the scene. I mean, I know that everything in these movies have to be telescoped way down. You know, I mean, because they just don't have the time. Right. Uh, but but in the scene where, you know, he's sitting there and he says Zod, you know, and he recognizes the name. Lois seems to know who that is because mm-hmm. at no point does she say to him, well, who who is Zod? Why? Like he like he he is understanding the gravity of what's happening. And Lois would be like, well, who is Zod? Like why? Like, now, of course, you could say just on a practical filmmaking level, they don't want to get into the you know, we know who Zod is, and we don't need to get into the scene of Clark explaining to her, well, General Zod is another Kryptonian, blah, 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 you Love know, him. because that's boring. But maybe back at the fortress, did Lois learn about Kryptonian history and there knows that there are these villains out there? Because it's like she immediately seems to understand the gravity of the situation, even though she knows no more than any of us kind of do. Uh, anybody watching television knows of, who, well, who's General Zod? Like, he's just like some weirdo. Does right. he have powers? We have no idea. Do you think that Lois like learned a little bit of a Kryptonian history while she was bedding down at the fortress? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah, I, I, she almost, she almost. I, I guess in a way, she almost had to, or she just knew from from his reaction that okay, I gotta assume that this guy's from you know Clark's hometown here. So, <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I but I. I, yeah, that's. I think. I think you're right. I think they just kind of skipped over that because they didn't want to. You know, well, Zod was the. the you know, yeah, the, it's, the, it's the military we leader of Krypton. This, right. and all the, yeah. yeah, I think right, they right. did the same since we knew. You know, she looks at him, but she didn't say anything. There was no comments from Lois about Zod. She was just basically looking at him, and this was Chris's scene. And then he said, "I gotta go back. I gotta. Yeah. I gotta go back." Which brings up other questions. Uh, the car they were in when they drove up to the diner, where'd they get that car? <laughs> we covered that in a previous episode that we always assume that the fortress has some sort of like garage full of stuff that Clark uses. So. <laughs> of seventies box cars, yes. Well it. we also said there the supermobile was in there too. We just didn't see it. <laughs> didn't see it. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So you guys discussed this already in the last Yeah, yeah, yeah we've yeah. covered this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then why why didn't he use that same car to go back? To the fortress. Well, he's, what, is he going to strand Lois and Canada? take her with him? Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're a couple now. Yeah. Now well, yeah. she's got to go. She's got to go back to the Daily Planet and, and fret for you know the next however many days it yeah. takes for him to get this all straightened out. So, but neither one of you guys smoked cigarettes, did you? <laughs> no, I yeah. never did. <laughs> I, well, I did, which is probably the problem. You know, we were talking about earlier, but. Uh, I rarely want a cigarette anymore. I don't even think about it. I haven't smoked for 15, 20 years now. But when that scene was a close-up, when they cut back to her at the planet, and the first thing you see is her puffing on that cigarette, yeah. thought, wow, that would be really good right now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I know. That, that'll tell you, boys and girls, how bad the addiction is. 15 years later, seeing somebody smoke, and I would go, hmm, that would be really good right now. Well, Marlboro is a big sponsor of this movie. We'll find out later. So, uh, yeah, yeah, seriously. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But, uh, uh, but don't you guys really agree that this is an amazing scene when you really break it down like this? That there is so much. And now the weight of what Superman, Clark, has done, has given up. 
And he yep. realized. And when she said to him, after she's still wiping, you couldn't have known. Well, yes, they told him, don't do this. You yeah. cannot do this. But they told him not to interfere with human time, and he did that too, so. <laughs> well, he, yeah, is, yeah. he doesn't pay attention to uh, Father Jorel. No, in, in the Donner cut, Jorel is more like, he's more strictly telling him, don't do this. I mean, that the original version of this, you can see it in the Donner cut. So, and in fact, when Clark says they knew, I heard him, but I just didn't listen. If you, if you listen, he, that's what he says. So I think originally, if you watch his lips, he said he knew, yeah. I heard him, but I just didn't listen. And they overdubbed that to say they, because they're trying to, you know, downplay the Jor-El, Right, uh, right. So yeah, and this, like we said, this was all shot by Donner, so it makes it makes sense. So yeah. yeah, so we do cut to a montage of Clark walking through the snow. He tries to flag down a logging truck. He just <laughs> passes him by. Now I am not anybody to pick up a hitchhiker, guys, but if I saw somebody out stranded in the <laughs> Arctic like that, I think I might have to just take the chance on picking them up. I mean, because I'd yeah. be afraid they're going to die. You know. I mean, so. <laughs> I thought maybe the truck driver thought, well, you know, I can't take the risk of stopping this. I've got momentum here in this ice. I don't want to stop this 18-wheeler for nothing. I couldn't try to justify it in any other way. Why would you not stop in a blizzard and pick up a man that's got a jacket on? <laughs> yeah. He's not dressed to be walking up to the Arctic. No. <laughs> How long did that take? You know, they don't give us that, but... He's a normal human walking from Canada somewhere in a bar up to the Arctic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. I mean, how did this? How long did this take? Like a month? Exactly. I mean, what's What's the damage that Zod and the others have done in this time? No, in a pair of dress shoes, dress pants, and a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't think he'd have made it. Picking, uh, eating snow on the way. Right, um, right. I don't. I don't think uh, uh, you guys. I assume have listened to the commentary on this, right? Oh, many, many. Years. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do think it's funny that Ilya, uh, uh, Ilya. What did I say? Ilya. I'm drawing a blank now. It's all kind. It's all kind. Yeah. Thank you. Jeez. Hello, old brain. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's funny in the thing where he said, yes, this was worth it. We flew, we took the crew to uh, Norway because watch this, watch this. And he was so excited about both the truck and the snow and the zoom out when it's a close up on Clark walking, snow, snow, snow. And then the, 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 it zooms out, pans out. I don't know the technical term, but it gets really wide. And then you can see all of the snow and the mountains in the background and all that. And uh, Salkine says, yep, that was worth every penny. (laughs) (laughs) In his brain, and I love that part of the commentary because he would talk about shooting here or there cost-wise and trying to justify almost that, you know, yeah, they said it was too expensive, but that scene wouldn't have worked in a little studio in Pinewood or something in California. And then the very next scene cuts to him in a tiny studio in Pinewood. (laughs) That is very funny. But it looks great. (laughs) But it does. It looks great. And, uh, you know, other than the little nitpicky stuff that we can do on little shows like this, uh, watching it in the theater, I just really love this movie. And I still love it. I I still do love it, except for I, I just wish they had found 
a better way for him to uh, lose his powers than to, um, you know, it, it takes me other places. When when that the the fortress scene of you know giving up the powers and sleeping with Lois, I wish they had found another way to give up the powers and still keep her involved somehow. But you know, because all that was very nice, but it leads to so many problems. Superman Returns that we <laughs> <laughs> really don't need, and uh, I didn't like it in the theater. That was my big gripe with it. Seeing it for the first, I kept going, no, no, please, no. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so was it the fact that Superman wouldn't give up his powers just for to bed Lois? Basically, is that what is that what you're? Yeah, yeah, basically, and and the fact that um, again, this is pre-burn, and what they did do for the first time in this movie was in the movie they got rid of Superboy. This Superman was never Superboy, right? Okay, and that's the first time. This is still the seventies, so. Mm-hmm. The Superman in the comics at this time, Bronze Age, was still Superboy. That was still part of his canon, his history. Mm-hmm. So they did that. Donner or whoever decided to to get rid of the Superboy thing and have him be Superman. That's really the first time in the canon that it had happened. And then, of course, Byrne came in and totally got rid of Superboy and all of that stuff. And that's a whole other show. That. Yeah. <laughs> But but the thing I like about this particular scene, again, and bringing it back to what we're talking about, this scene kind of epitomizes the Silver Age, Bronze Age uh, feeling that Superman should not be married. Mm. Okay? And, and, and it reinforces that. He cannot, Superman of that time period, it was one of the things I think that they played on really well to make him... Um, he, he looks like us, but he's not one of us and he can try to have a normal life as much as possible. And I know a lot of modern people, 40, you guys age and stuff, love the idea of Superman and Lois being married and having a kid and the new Superboy and all that stuff. I, I understand it. And I think it's cool to, to a degree, but there's something about, I, I think when Byrne came, they basically took the Krypton out of the Kryptonian mm. and tried to make him as much human as possible. And in in uh, the comics of my era, you got that from the Superboy comics. That's where Martha and Jonathan were. That's where he learned how to be the Superman of that we all came to know. So when you got rid of that, you have to bring that in somewhere else which is why they left it and stuff. And I'm getting a little off track, but this scene does that. It says that for these reasons, I have given up my powers. I have given up being Superman to become a human. And you find out, well, no, you can't do that. Anybody else could probably do that. Batman could throw his cowl out tomorrow and, okay, Joker runs by the hour. But the world is not in jeopardy. Right. When Superman says... I don't want to be Superman anymore. I just want to have, you know, normal life with uh, with Lois and have kids and do that. No, I'm sorry. You can't do that. That's not who you are, and that's not why you're here. And this scene puts all of that right there, and he realizes it, and you see it in Christopher Reeve's face. When he, when it dawns on him what a serious mistake he's made, especially when he's looking up at the Zod thing on the TV, and then he... Without even looking at Lois, he just says, I've got to go back. I yeah. don't know how I'm going to get it done. I don't know what's going to happen, but I've got 
to try. That is Superman right there. And no powers, nothing, but he knows he's the one that has to save Earth from Zod. And all of that comes into me from the Silver and Bronze Age. That's the point where you're right. I am here for something more, well, than throwing touchdowns or whatever the line was. You know, Glenn Ford was right. You know, Paul Kent was right. You're here for something more. And he didn't score touchdowns. He scored other things, but not touchdowns. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, well, that's, a good, that's a good point, too, because really by doing what he did, he turned his back on both his fathers, really. If you yes. Think of, yeah. And Earth. Everything. Yeah. Except yeah. for his own selfish, carnal feelings. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's... Um, uh, you know, uh, I wish they could have figured out, but it is very powerful the way they did it. If you look at it that way, and I think this scene right here sums it up, and and you get a little more in your next, you know, in your next episode, you'll in the fortress there with him, his torment and stuff. You'll you'll see more of it, but right. but uh, I think this is the beginning right here, the turning point, the pivotal moment of this movie. Uh, because we all saw the Zod stuff. We know what the hell's going on out there, but he doesn't. Right, right here he does, and it all dawns on him, and he's got to figure out how to get it back together. They play some loose tricks with, you know, oh, there happens to be a crystal that wasn't there a few seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Lois, I mean, we do, when we come back into the fortress, I mean, they did they did kind of set, set up the fact that the, the original green crystal, Lois just drops it. You know, in the and then and when you first walk in to the we first walks into the fortress, it's it's the lights are all down. There's this eerie green glow about it. I love that. I love that it's all green tinted. I think it's a green touch. So do I. Yeah, and it's got this. You know, it's it and it in the again in the Donner cut. I think Jor-El actually does say something more about basically. Like, if you do this, it's going to use up all the – I haven't seen it in a while, but if I remember correctly, it's basically what he's saying is if you do this and and use the transfer machine to, to get rid of your powers and become human, then it's going to use up all the – basically the energies of the fortress, and it's going to be basically dead. And so we didn't really get that when he walked away as, you know, casual Clark and his, you know, white button-up and black pants that Rob loves that he just automatically had <laughs> Uh, but but right. I, I didn't know that the gap had an outlet on Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you know when he walks away, I mean the 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 panel is like you know it gets smoky and kind of you know it, it kind of matches what we see, but we don't see the lights go down. The place isn't glowing green when they're you know they're in bed together. So right. it's it's kind of it's it's a, it's another one of those cases where this is you know the the Donner the Lester cut and the Donner cut not quite matching up. I think, uh, because I think most, I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but either these scenes are by Donner here with Clark in the fortress, you know, all, all beaten, battered, because he, he probably originally just said father, but they add the mother in, you know, because yeah. in the next scene we'll hear him scream father. So, right. I mean, I, I think, um, and of course, I mean, I, th- this is, I mean, we're not there yet, but th- this sequence here, the Donner cut. Trumps the Lester cut in this sequence because you actually get Brando and Christopher even a scene together. But yes. you know, I wish they could have. It's so much more powerful. That's one thing I really do. One scene in the Donner cut that I think is just fantastic. But yeah, I agree, a little more exposition too. Yeah, yeah, a little more motive to Clark. Yes, yes, and it. But but I mean, we're set. We're setting that up here. Clark is. I mean, we've never seen 
you know, I think up to this point and probably in the comics and definitely in other media, we've never seen Superman laid this low. I mean, he no. is. No. He is at the bottom here. He's hit rock bottom. So uh, I mean, it's a heck of a it's a heck of a way to end our sequence here. But I mean, he's he's, <laughs> he's, he's in the fortress. It's heck of a cliffhanger. He calls out to his father and mother, and uh, you know, she he says he wishes they could hear him because he needs them. And his voice is choking up, and he's stumbling over his words as he's you know getting to further. Uh, explain what has happened and and that's where that's where these minutes end so we've left superman at low tide big time (laughs) yeah well this whole this whole scene is is uh him you know getting his comeuppance so to speak his uh so he he pretty much has to hit bottom he's got to realize and all of this like we say this whole scene is that moment where um he realizes that uh, being a human isn't as much fun as he thought it might be. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I could have told him that. Yeah. yeah. Any of us could have told him. Oh, excuse me, Clark. Uh, don't do that. Yeah. Keep the keep no. the powers, dude. Just yeah. Keep the powers. Really, really. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's Lois and all, but it's not Phyllis Coates. So come on. <laughs> Uh, uh, oh, I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> still my favorite Lois, though. She's still my favorite Lois. Oh, she's great. She was a feisty Lois, I tell you. She oh, was, loved she her. Was, she was a real ball buster, honestly, to Clark a lot of times. So. Yeah, but she would have handled that scene too. She would have. Uh, she would have flipped the bartender over her shoulder and then kicked Rocky in the in the stomach. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that we forgot to kind of mention that I love how Margot kicks back at him and goes, ah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she yeah. looks great. She looks. I love her and her her boots. She just. She looks. I, I, she looks super hot at the scene. And yeah, I just this like is, her. I, and I like that she defends her man. I think that's really. Ah, she does I that agree. thing. <laughs> it's great. It's a yeah. great looking outfit. Looks kind of suede. That brownish. Yeah. Order. It's oh, just. It's a great looking outfit, and it's a different outfit than she had when she went to the fortress. She packed an overnight bag that we didn't. Yeah, Apparently. Well, if, wait a minute. If the, if that chamber can make Clark an outfit, it can make her an outfit. Come on. That's, 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 true. Not, that's, that's yeah. true. Do you think it was like the, 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 the Star Trek uh, trans uh, uh, their little thing when they can, you know, what do you call it? Their, their uh, replicator machines. Yeah. Do yeah. you, you think Clark went in there and said, yes, I'd like some really bad polyester pants and, oh, a yellow sweater tied around my neck. That would be just <laughs> I think what we're missing is the montage where Lois and Super, Super, Lois and Clark go into the transfer machine and try on different clothes. And <laughs> it's like it's like you know Lois comes out in a nice little skirt and Clark's like eh, you know, and then she comes oh, out. Oh, Clay Axe, yeah, wacky yeah. music. Oh, <laughs> yeah. great! Yeah. An up tempo version of the disco. Can you read my mind? You know, behind the background, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, so any further thoughts on these minutes, guys? Oh, not really. I think I pretty much said mine that I really enjoyed this this little scene. I think it's pivotal. I think uh, Margot, it's one of her best scenes. I just really love the I like this whole, you know, dawning of realization, I guess. I don't know what else to call this scene, but yeah, Clark, I loved it. I think it was a great scene. What about you, Rob? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate how laid low Superman is. And, and, I mean, I haven't seen every comic book superhero movie to this point, but I've seen, you know, most of them. And I can't think of too many superhero movies where they lay the hero this low. Yeah. Uh, where they real? I mean, you know, none of the Batman movies um, until you get to the Dark Knight Rises, where Bruce is dumped in that pit and they have to rescue <laughs> him. But I mean, you know, for the most part, they know the heroes. Like, I can't think of like Captain America or Thor or Iron Man that are ever quite this. this I mean, maybe that's not entirely accurate, but they real. I mean, for for how early this was in the genre, I mean, this was really the first time you saw a superhero done to this level. They really brought him down low, and just in the second film. You know, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. I mean, he would go even lower, of course, in Superman Quest for Peace, but that was more in a meta level. So. <laughs> well, I guess you could argue in Superman in Superman Returns that brutal beatdown he gets is oh, that's pretty bad. That's yeah, pretty, that is that's pretty just bad. as hard to watch, if not more hard to watch. I think so. that one's more hard to watch because it. Well, there was too much in that movie that was hard to watch, but all right, Bob. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. Jump ahead, do I? But actually, they don't exist because we're only in minute eighty to eighty-five of Superman two. Nothing else exists past this moment right now. That's that's right. (laughs) Maybe we have time to change it. (laughs) All right. Okay. Well. Well, Bob, uh, can you tell folks where they can find you online? Yeah, over at the uh, Superman Forever radio podcast at supermanforever.com and, uh, or bob at supermanforever.com. It's very easy. Superman Forever and you'll find me. That's where I am. Cool. It's a little yeah. Superman show. I talk about Superman. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to know something about this Superman. <laughs> well, if I don't, I'll make it up. <laughs> It's 80 years, you can say stuff, and nobody's going to go back and check it in the Silver Age. Did he really do that? Yeah, he did. He really did. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, and in the Silver Age, you can almost guarantee whatever it is, he probably did it. He did it. Well, three stories per issue. You got to, you know, you got to make stuff up a lot. It's not one story dragged out over 12. Oh, I'm old. I am old. (laughs) And he's in five comics at the time. Yeah, (laughs) Next, yeah. Next time on. Never mind. Okay. Def, definitely check out Superman Forever Radio, yeah. guys. But thank you, guys. I just want to say again, thanks, guys, for inviting me to be part of this. This is uh, again one of my top three favorite movies of all time, anyway, and I've watched it so many times. And uh, I do skip part of it when I watch it, but I just want to thank you guys for uh, uh, you know including me and inviting me to participate in this. Uh, it was fun doing Superman one, and this is just as much fun recording with you guys. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank uh, you, Bob. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming by, uh, and thank you guys for listening. And if you got any comments on this episode, be sure to leave them at firewaterpodcast.com. You can leave us an iTunes review or Apple Podcast, whatever they call it nowadays, if you're so inclined. Uh, thanks, as always, to Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson for welcoming us into the Movie by Minute family and allowing us to use their format. Be sure to check out all the great movie shows at moviesbyminute.com. Join our Never Any Battle here next week on Superman 2 Movie Minute as the adventure continues. Bye. Bye. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again.